Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to a brand new episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast, the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about them both. This week, we are talking about part two of our plants in space, 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 space pairing. Last week, uh, we discussed Claire Dennis's uh, Robert Pattinson and Mia Goth-headed film High Life in 2018, uh, and very interesting conversation. I think we had two no's and a yes with caveats on uh, the recommendations, but um, I'm really excited to talk about today's uh, piece of that pairing silent running from 1972 with bruce dern i these two movies obviously they both involve plants in space but they actually are really close on a lot of levels they're they're sort of like if you gave two different filmmakers a like a, a, a sheet and said hey here's a bunch of things to make a movie out of now go write a script for it and then make the movie you would get something like these two movies, right? Like they have so many similarities, but they're very different movies in presentation and, and endings. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And today we have with us, Jeffrey Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, good, good. Sorry, I thought I was on mute there for a second. I'm, I'm wonderful. Can't wait to talk. Wonderful. I am glad you're here. And we also have with us Mandy Longley. How are you doing, Mandy? Good. I decided to stay in my space pod. It's nice. Quiet nice. up here in space. Quiet, quiet. It certainly is quiet in and space. Dark. Uh, yeah. I, so, okay. So we're going to dive right in here. Last week, uh, we talked about High Life, which was a really sort of art housey film with a very bleak uh, sort of two hour runtime with Robert Pattinson just sort of muddling through a bunch of convicts, ruining their already tragic lives uh in space on their way to a black hole uh he raises a daughter it's a lot this week we have uh silent running which is directed it's it's rated pg uh or g depending on where you where you get your ratings but it's it's directed by douglas trumbull and douglas trumbull was one of the head special effects people on 2001 a space odyssey from 1968 which of course is a stanley kubrick um uh, masterpiece uh he is still producing movies uh, oh i guess he actually passed away last year i didn't realize i'm looking at my notes uh february 7th uh, 2022 so uh he's no longer with us but 
he he most recently was producer on the man who killed hitler and then bigfoot with sam elliott interesting film but anyway this was his director sort of visual spectacle movie and bruce dern plays uh freeman lowell who is a specialist in sort of forest life and a naturalist who is in space uh on one of these sort of space freighters of some kind in in a in a nearish future uh the the world the earth we learn has been homogenized essentially nature is gone and we've created a perfect 75 degree weather all the time society where everyone has a job um it it's for some it would sound like a paradise but for freeman lowell it isn't because there is no nature and he's excited because he thinks there's going to be word from the government soon uh that these space freighters uh, of which he's included as a passenger or as a as a worker that have these different biomes attached to them like a, a forest in space they they reference one called mojave one called glacier that they're going to be called back to earth to start re-implementing these natural elements to the earth uh, but it turns out when word comes they're actually supposed to blast these biomes uh into a safe distance and then nuke them and return home so these freighters can return to commercial service everyone's happy about it except for lowell because they all want to go home they want to get back to their lives etc i guess um, but Lowell is like, there's beauty in this. There's no beauty in what we've created on Earth. Uh, losing this is unacceptable. And pushed to the brink, he's already kind of not the favorite among the people, uh, the three people he works with on this ship. In in a, a final desperate act, he murders his crewmates and separates the last, uh, the, the freighter with the last biome, the forest that he tends directly uh separates himself from the rest of the freighters around saturn fakes problems so he can essentially drift off into space and live taking care of this this forest biome his only friends uh, as he's killed the rest of the crew are three drones who he names huey dewey and louie uh they are play they're they're small sort of star wars black hole-esque drones that are, are kind of cool looking they're actually played by four different um individuals who had multiple amputations so they could they would fit in these strange suits that were designed for them very interesting but it gives them a very human element uh as they as they walk um and and sort of putter around doing doing tasks he he works on programming them so they're more companion-like they play games with him etc they also communicate with each other they clearly have some sort of intelligence that's not really discussed they mourn the passing of each other things like that but what happens to freeman is he struggles being separated from people it seems and he starts to he finds himself eating the synthesized food that he railed against uh instead of the the fruit that he's growing in his biome uh, he makes the drones more human-like, right? And even, and he spends not much time in, in the latter of the movie that we see him in the actual forest biome, which he's loved. And spoiler alert, again, if this sounds interesting to you, watch the movie and come back because we'll talk about all of the details of this movie, including the ending. Uh, and here it is. The ending, he sets the one still functional droid to care for the forest biome 
He blasts the biome off into deep space. And then he sits with the other drone that that he injured in a vehicle accident uh, and is not fully functional. And he nukes himself and the rest of the ship rather than go back to humans, which have reconnected contact with him. So there's a lot to unpack here. This movie, I would hazard to say, is an, is an hour and 30 minutes that feels like two hours. Um, there is a lot of... <sighs> I guess I think part of the thing is is that uh, we don't know, much like High Life, which we talked about last week, I had no indication of exactly where this movie was going after the the halfway mark. I did not know what the next hurdle would be. Um, and be, when you don't have any inkling in that, there's no foreshadowing, really. Um, it's It sometimes doesn't feel like a surprise. It feels like you're waiting, just waiting to find out as opposed to eager to find out. Um, the visuals are quite beautiful. Um, the, the full, you know, uh, uh, built models of the ships are very realistic seeming. Um, nothing is really, I mean, it's very seventies looking. It's like a seventies view of the future. Everything's kind of austere, functional rather than beautiful. And we get like lots of interesting product placements. Like the ships are American airlines, uh, uh, and we get like there's a Coca-Cola banner at one point, all sorts of stuff like that, which I think is wise because one, I'm sure that they paid money to be involved, to be shown in the film. But also, this is very accurate to think that they would be in space, to think that in high life, per se, nothing would be branded on that ship is absolutely ludicrous. Whether it made sense or not, there would be advertising essentially via branding on that ship. Um, well, so only anyway, if, only if people are going to see it. Like, I think you know, you'd, you'd there's think there's that. like eyeballs connecting with the thing. Somebody's going to put an advertisement on it. But yeah, you'd it, think that. You'd think that. But um, I, I'm, I'm questioning because people who see it are the people who build it, right? So the people who build it have seen it. That's why even in the in in you know small parts in the center of a, a military airliner, it's going to have um, Boeing stamped on it. Right. Like it's or it's it's they're going to have it on there somewhere. And so anytime you see these spaceships uh, with without any sort of branding, it's, it's unlikely. So. Any who's it's this movie has people in it for the first half. And then once Freeman kills them, he has this brief period where he's be 20 minutes of the movie, I guess, where he's trying to figure out how to separate himself from the rest of humanity which he does he thinks and then he gets the droids to be his companions now the droids are very interesting in this movie i i wasn't sure what was going to happen because they start having conversations between each other in their little droidy way that don't involve him um and he seems to care about them in a way that's fairly human and self-centered right like he's like i know like one of them is lost to space because his little foot, they have two legs, gets stuck in uh, part of the ship and he's lost as they go through a ring of Saturn and tears off. Um, and the other two droids are clearly upset about this, at which point he says, I know you're sad, but it was his fault. He got careless. That, that to me indicated that there was going to be some break between the droids and him. Um, that doesn't come. Uh, even when he... Uh, is rushing to get to the biome to try and fix it because it's dying and he realizes that they're too far away from the sun so they're not getting which is another issue i have to talk about 
um he runs into one of them and badly damages it he repairs it enough that it's still operational i guess whatever passes a sentience in it it's functional but it doesn't really have any ability to to do any of the tasks that it previously had done um even after that point uh the the droids are they they follow orders so i wasn't sure where that was going to go and then we get to the end which is where he decides that he can't do it he thought he could just be happy participating in in keeping the biome alive and he can't so he makes a robot do it and then explodes himself rather than go back to earth um and i think it's debatable whether or not he would be caught for having murdered his crew um he's the only one alive i mean unless there are cameras maybe there are cameras but there's no indication to the viewer that there are cameras so i find that kind of unlikely um i think well, he just I mean, didn't he, he had generated like a series of lies that based on the state of the ship would have been yeah. provably false. I I Hard think to. he would have I think he probably would have, if they put any effort into investigating he would have been caught. I I think it would have been hard to prove. Now, he might have gotten in trouble, but well, I mean, you know, he, like, he, he blasted the biome into space. I mean, he specifically um, lied about damage to the ship that wasn't there and they, like they Yeah. Like, oh, but no, you know, it's on the other side that you can't see. I mean, yeah, they but they eventually can't... we're gonna go see the other side. But they couldn't. They couldn't prove that he killed this crewmates. I, there's no way I he mean... blasted the biome into space, um, and the other two crewmates blew up in one of the biomes. So whether or not he lied, you could say he was injured. He could say he was he was delirious. There's all sorts of ways to get around it. So I don't think it's plausible to think that he killed himself because he was worried about. It also doesn't seem really to be in his character, um, to me, that he would kill himself simply to to escape punishment um it he doesn't have anything he doesn't have any family I don't, I don't think that that was it i think he killed himself to protect the forest sure for sure was, i think that that's more likely to... i also i think he just didn't want to be a part of the earth anymore right like he's a naturalist and there's nothing left for him now what's interesting to me and i'll get to your guys's thoughts uh as soon as i belt out my own which is um we get these scenes near the end. So first off, it seems unlikely to me that he wouldn't have figured out the plants are not thriving at one point because they're missing sunlight. That was stupid. Um, because maybe he's not just so cuckoo bananas that. Yeah, he, it, it, that's you know, true. It needed to be because he's a, a specialist at all. Right. Yeah. Plus, why wouldn't those know, lights have. It's weird, though, like the way they portray him at the beginning, I didn't get the sense that he had like been schooled to be like a a forest expert like in mm. plants he seemed more like a technician or like some rando that maybe could fix the ship that like was like getting promoted well that would make more sense right with like the plants that would make more and sense he because all, he knows like, the ship this idea of grandeur like oh i think that mm -hmm. when they call us like they're gonna actually say like i'm in charge of like doing this project because like I'm the he one literally says that interested. right like who else yeah, would like, do it right because i'm the one that's most interested in doing this but like kind of in a way that like nobody has been interested in doing it and nobody's been qualified and he's sort of mm -hmm. like self-schooled on this and like doesn't know that much so, like it was like maybe a little bit believable to me but it was still annoying that it, it was, was just like it's hard because i mean sunlight. he's looking at stuff under a microscope yeah. right i mean he's spoke i can only i think that your explanation would make more sense i don't know that it's feasible right because 
what was what else was yeah. he doing then? Yeah. He spends all of it. They say he's spending all of his time in the biome. I I assumed yeah. he was a specialist, but then you're right because he does know how to operate the ship and he knows hanging out how to there. lie. Right. He doesn't um, like the dude, the other dudes he's with. Like he says he likes them, and like but then he like he's not one of them. No, he's and he isn't right. Club, Clearly, right? they're so... assholes. Like you don't. Like yeah. one guy kind of is like, eh, leave him alone, guys. But he's still kind of the he's like the nice jock in the football team who's like, don't come on, guys. He's had enough. They don't. He doesn't yeah. stop him, but he says you don't have enough. The other two guys, they get well, blown it, up. It struck me as like what I was thinking of with like the four of them together was Idiocracy, the movie. Yeah, there's just like an average yeah. dude who maybe can figure some stuff out, and he's with these dumbasses. Which, like, by comparison, he's going to be the head of the forestry department, right? Like, Well, and also, he, so, one thing I liked is that, I mean, I, I really do think they nailed commercialism, not even commercialism, they nailed America on the head here a little bit um, with, with the idea that, um, one, that nobody on Earth cares about nature right now, so blast them into space. We don't want anyone else to have them. That's the baker pouring bleach on his old, you know, croissants in the alleyway so homeless people can't have them. That makes sense. And then calling them back for commercial duty. Yeah, they want to make money, right? Um, that that makes sense. 100% on the board. I, I'm so sad that, that, that we've gone back to, like, this 70s notion of the government could not give mm -hmm. two shits about what is quote-unquote right or life. They just want to make money, but we know that's the case. Um, mm -hmm. And it is heavily laid thick in this movie. I mean, the soundtrack is by Joan Baez, uh, and they're all like, they're all like nature protest songs, um, lots of vibrato. And then, from the very first time we see uh, Freeman Lowell in the forest, he's literally wearing like a Saint Francis of Assisi robe and feeding birds and animals, right? Like he's, it's heavy. Like it is a heavy seventies influence. And in that respect, it's definitely. A piece of its time uh but the fact yeah the fact that he wouldn't know that as they go blocked as they're blocked from sunlight the plants would wither and they have sun lamps that he just needed to install like that that to me would have been the first thing like what does every child know about plants that they go through photosynthesis right they get food processed by getting sunlight so that was redonkulous it was it was the aliens dying via water in in signs, right? Is it could have been worked around a little better, but I thought it was the part, the scene that I love, and that spoke to me from like a critical analysis level, is when he's running to implement the lights um, before he gets in the vehicle and hits um, one of the droids. Sadly, is it starts cutting to scenes of a first person camera angle running through a forest, not that forest, but it looks like a forest on earth. And at first I was like, why are they showing us this? Right. And then I was like, Oh, at that point in the film, in that, the latter third, he had been, he had gone back to eating synthetic food. He'd programmed the robots to, to gamble with him, to play poker in like their break room, not in the forest. And he had not been in the forest in so long that it was withering and he didn't know it. And what that told me, and I think is the intent to show the viewer, is that he wanted so bad to be like nature. As you said, he's playing at being this nature. But his forest was that sterile uh, loading bay with all those boxes. And him running through that intercut with 
someone of point of view running through the forest was horrifying to him that he was more of that world than he ever was of the forest world and then that makes sense right because he doesn't stay with the forest he dies with the ship because he could have been he could have gone with the droids on the forest and launched and had the forest launch presumably um we can assume that could have happened because the forest is fine right floating on its own because it the the people who found him tell him that it's too dark to find anything that's why he can't blow it up just just discharge it into space and leave it and so he could have done that um and stayed with it but he doesn't stay with the forest and that scene was super key because it tells us i think that he has realized that he is not part of that nature the old earth he's part of the new earth and that's too much for him or at least he's not enough of it that he can actually be happy staying with it he no longer has happiness available to him you know either because he's part of the new earth and he doesn't want to be a part of it or perhaps more likely because he's a part of two worlds and he can never find those reconciled um so I've I've railroaded this conversation as I always do. Now let's move on. Uh, Jeff, what were you expecting from this movie, and what did you what were your takeaways having seen it? Um, yeah, like I I generally don't have any expectations going into these films. I you know, <laughs> you I you've read, too experienced read, with our movies. I read Plants in Space, and then the title, and then I start watching <laughs> it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I. I, I thought so. He, here's like kind of my takeaway. It actually started out pretty like you know, like up tempo. It it, it mm-hmm. seemed like it was going somewhere. almost goofy. Yeah, yeah. I, I and and you know, for me, like you know, and to contrast what we just did, I thought the world was more interesting. It was like mm-hmm. the the idea of these like you know forests being attached to this freighter and like um, being kind of like the last vestment of of um you know wildlife and stuff that that exists was interesting um but yeah the the it kind of just languished at you know after the surgery like it was just flat it was like you know a flat line for the rest of the thing because that almost was like the climax of the film there wasn't really much left to really happen Mm -hmm. um and and even the ending um was kind of you know almost like nothing it was you know this forest floating in space with him and then it was a forest fl- floating in space without him you know mm-hmm. it, it's uh uh it, it, it there wasn't really like a a big um like big event that that changed the the Right. trajectory of the story so um yeah i i think that that from from that perspective it was almost unwatchable um at a certain <laughs> point because it was just i i think you actually mentioned it like you didn't know where it was going like you didn't know yeah. what the next problem was to solve you didn't like there was no there's no issue he was just like he, he mm-hmm. was where he wanted to be and he was just floating yeah. in space you know like yeah. there wasn't um there, there was no what, what is the I'm, tr- I'm missing like what you progress the thing, the thing that happens in act one momentum 
that you know carries on and becomes worse in act two like we didn't have any of that foreshadowing like nothing, yeah no yeah there's nothing there's nothing it was just like okay yeah. we're, we're just we're just hanging out with this guy now i guess yeah um, and i think I, yeah I, keep going sorry i think it would have been interesting if they had like a second um like uh, like climax like you know he did all this horrible shit to like save the forest which is kind of like a noble idea um and then you know like he re, re you know reconnects with humanity and like it it turns out like oh we realized we didn't want to lose that thing like this is like the last mm. of it uh you know maybe you even can go cynical and be like well somebody somebody figured out like a way to make like a lot of money because like you right know, people people would go to like a nature park for like lots of money you know it's like we need we need this forest that mm -hmm. you saved uh you know from um this thing like what a happy accident that you didn't destroy it um yeah you know or whatever um and then you know basically the same thing happens but uh you know the forest is you know continues on you know there's there had to be some sort of like meaningful thing like just like a forest floating in space just doesn't feel um like meaningful enough to me to like be like yay what a conclusion to this film well i, I don't I, I think it, I, so... I wish there was some like oh yeah. humanity like decided like oh okay we should save nature you know like th there should have been like some there this needed like a Hollywood ending, honestly. Like to, to, to the come, movie, come to the movie is definitely a cautionary tale versus a satisfying movie, right? Like sure. it very much goes with the Joan Baez soundtrack. In that, it is all about how at the it's sort of his realization, right, that he's of both worlds. If if we buy into that, which I do, and I think it's the failure, right? I think you're right. There's in that last bit we needed to see or have some understanding that he was spending less time in the forest and more time back because we literally see him not in the forest at all but he doesn't actually say anything about that um yeah well I, I think like to what you're saying is both for him and i think humanity they lack the balance right like you yeah. don't necessarily have to spend every minute in right. nature but like connecting with it still is maybe valuable and Powerful. Well, and I think that probably, especially because this was from 1972 and because it has hippie music in it, I think the most likely reading is that this was a warning to humanity that if you lose it, you will you will not realize where the point is where you can't go back and you, mm. before you've already gone too far, right? Yeah. Because that's sort of his thing, right? He realizes that his last ditch effort isn't going to work anyway for him. There's no saving him and there's no saving the rest of humanity from what they've become. Uh, and it's depressing in many ways. It's like high life. The difference, I think, as I sort of alluded to last episode when talking about high life is that Robert Pattinson's character decides to continue forward, even without any sort of reasonable expectation that the future might hold anything different. And Freeman Lowell does not, decides he does not want to do that right i think a lot of people especially as an american would say he he lacks the strength to do that but 
that's that's a that's a tough call to make right he doesn't have a world anymore that that he feels a part of so um he decides that he can't continue on at all and commit suicide via nuclear bomb which is yeah pretty he, pretty extreme you know, he just committed suicide 18 years earlier like he just skipped you know skipped to the right. end right, right. he's like oh right, exactly. you know like could all this other stuff could happen in the middle but like this is how it's gonna end anyway so we might as well do it now Right. Mandy, what were you expecting from Silent Running? You said you watched it before High Life. And what did yeah. what were your takeaways from it? Uh, again, I went into this not looking at it. I didn't even look at the title for this week. I just downloaded the movies and watched them. <laughs> and you told us they were sci-fi. And I was like, yay, sci-fi. And then I watched this and I was like, not this sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love sci-fi. But I think I tend to be more <laughs> in like the Firefly camp. Maybe not all the way on the super positive end, like Star Trek, but mm. like, you know, in the middle, like, you know, maybe some of it's good and some of it's going to be shitty, just like it is today for a lot of people. Like, mm -hmm. we have a diversity of socioeconomic statuses of humans, and that will probably continue whether or not we're only on this planet or still on this planet, um, mm -hmm. you know, but but this was like, I agree with you, is long for an hour and a half. It is long. Again, you don't really like the characters. Again, mm -hmm. you don't really know what's going on in the greater world. You get these <laughs> tiny little bits. It doesn't feel like anything is at stake. It doesn't even really feel like anything is at stake for Freeman because he's so cuckoo banana pants, like through a lot of this, right? Like he's not in his right mind. So you cannot say, you know, that there is high stakes that this forest gets saved yeah, or there's some yeah. good done with it or that he has a real like moral standing that like, he, you know, he's going to continue on this path just because it's the right thing to do because he's out of his goddamn mind. Yeah. Um, and it's not a particularly interesting, you know, devolvement I'm gonna make that word. I don't think it's the right, right, like conjugation of that. But like, it's not, it's not particularly interesting even to watch, like what he is doing, um, while he's like, you know, after he's separated, um, from the fleet. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. So I don't know. Again, I was disappointed. Like, there's so much possibility for this film. Uh, it started out being much more interesting and like brighter. Um, probably because of the personalities, like at least like he was different than the other three crew members, and there could have been like tension there or development of characters and something interesting happening, possibly with the plot. And then it just got really boring. Um, you know, uh, and I. Like you said, Nate, I didn't have any idea what would happen next. And it did feel like waiting as opposed to being intrigued yeah. and curious. It was just not interesting. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a big yawn. And I was just like, yay, it's over. I'm sorry. The forest <sighs> is going into space. I don't understand what that robot is going to do because the other three just broke super easy. And they're <laughs> okay. One was sucked into the vacuum of space. I don't know that it's easy. 
like completely inept at actually doing any of the gardening stuff that he was trying to teach them so i don't see how this is gonna go well at all but whatever because it doesn't matter like yeah so there's there's an interest so there's a backstory um of this this movie originally had a very different script it's told uh or the director told us or has has told in interviews where the the forest was ancillary it was a subplot that that it was dying for lack of sunlight and um and the character of the main character at that point um had to figure it out how to save it in order to keep his food supply going because the ships were being decommissioned and he didn't want to go back to earth he was old and curmudgeonly so he planned this to sort of go out and drift in space which he does he programs the drones to be friends and then he runs across an alien ship and he decides to go make first contact uh and some other stuff happens but that was the original intent which to me the change in i know right the change it's the change in tone indicates that uh, that we are correct to assume that the environmental angle was chosen one for scope because the budget was limited um and two to be more topical right at the time like forest you know the fleetwood mac you know paved over paradise to put up a parking lot kind of vibe um that goes on here um it what's interesting about this movie is visually i like it um, I think the acting is is well done. I think Bruce Dern does a good job. There's a really sweet touch, which I made me want to cry, which I guess the watering can, which has like kids on it and like children's drawing that he uses um, is actually belongs to actor Bruce Dern's deceased daughter. Um, he used it in there, which which made me want to cry. But um, certain things. So Lucas actually, according to the director, approached him because he wanted to talk to him about the design of the of the drones because he eventually used those as inspiration for r2d2 and several other drones which which makes sense um i think i mentioned before it's quite amazing that uh several uh, uh, people who had uh lost limbs uh or, or missing limbs played the parts of the drones uh which is also fascinating i think Oh, and Joel Hodgson, creator of Mystery Science Theater, which we love very much here, cited this movie as one of the inspirations for uh, Mystery Science Theater. So it's clearly a very influential film. I mean, several Mm. segments of footage were actually reused in the Battlestar Galactica television show. Uh, It's it's just it's a strange movie in that it had lots of effects, but. And I don't think it's the dating necessarily of, of this era that causes the issue. I do think it's a lack of clear. They might have had a clear vision, but the clear vision in the second half of the movie, as as Jeff, as we've all talked about thus far, is um, it hampers this movie. It makes it feel so much longer because I have no concept of what's happening. And then I have to piece it together, you know, uh, after the fact. It's like sort of like which means it's a little bit of a failure in storytelling, right? Like I can make anything make sense in a fantasy or science fiction movie by saying, oh, well, it's because this, which didn't happen on screen and they didn't tell us about. Well, that that doesn't make for a very convincing, very um, uh, grabbing story, right? Uh, as you said, Jeff, it, it it requires me to step out of the movie in order to construct some sort of fictional guess as to why things are happening and when you don't have enough indication of what's driving the plot in that in that final act 
um, that's where it fails. So I think I almost think a recut of this movie would actually be more fascinating. And I think instead of having Lowell's character dream about the murders, he could have dreamed about intercut footage between the forest and the ship because that would have started to give us more of a clue that oh he's having this sort of uh, identity crisis between thinking he's all forest all natural and realizing that he also needs the ship and which is the the sort of this bastion of modern humanity um, we just needed more indicators of that for it to actually feel like we were progressing through a story uh, to to a resolution. So let's move into the, I think we can move into the recommendations for this one. Um, I, I love how watching these two movies together, we have the parallels. Um, Lowell looks like St. Francis of Assisi in the forest. They call Robert Pattinson's character in High Life Monk. And they take care of the, the foliage. Like there's there's lots of little fun things to watch in parallel. And we get the parallel of the ending being different, um, but having a similar beginning. You know, um, Pattinson continues forward into the unknown. Lowell chooses to end his journey through suicide. But I guess I would recommend this movie to people who like 70s deep space cinema. It is a it is very much in the vein of that. You'll like the visuals. I think the visuals of the biomes is really stunning. Um, and it's interesting to see pre star Wars drones. Uh, and I think that they're pretty awesome. I want to make one, uh, but you just have to be willing to suffer through a second act that makes it feel much longer because it is, it it's long and we don't know what's happening. So it's not very interesting to watch, which is kind of a bummer. Arrow does have a beautiful transfer of this movie. So the visuals are nicely intact and it is, as I said, very seventies. So if you like it, you'll like that. But if you're looking for sort of a fun romp, or if you're looking for like a quickly paced romp that, that has even pacing, you're not going to get it with silent running. So again, recommend with caveats. Uh, Mandy, would you recommend silent running from 1972? If so, why and to who? recommend the mst3k episode if they ever actually did one (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but no again this is another no for me because it's a big yawn and maybe it's because i went in without like any kind of context or orientation to watch them um and i just found myself being like bored not necessarily like and not confused enough i guess like i was maybe we were a little bit overly confused with high life um, but silent running it was just um kind of that's, almost a lack of mystery that was that is a like, great like, hey, indication yeah a great, can we get a middle note. ground please like, <laughs> that would be great like they, you know they did something maybe mash these two movies together we got a middle ground um it would have been quite an enjoyable film but this one sadly uh like i like i enjoyed some of the visuals and stuff but, like you could probably watch the preview and get that from it maybe Mm -hmm. but yeah no so it's so this is one of those also i do do think this is an interesting fact too and i think it speaks to the movie um easy rider came out in 69 and universal was like oh wow this was kind of an independently produced movie where the the filmmakers had control and it was a huge hit so how about we take a bunch of filmmakers give them little budgets little being still quite large but for for a big motion picture uh and and let them have control and see what happens and this was one of the um 
the results. And so I think it, because of that, and it was director Turnbull's first big movie uh, where he learned a lot about how to be a director. I think because of that, we get some risks, but we also lack a little bit of a controlling experienced hand, right? So I think usually I say producers muddle things up, but in this case, it might've actually helped because the original script was fascinating, but at such a huge scope, I cannot see it happening uh, unless you went real Doctor Who with the special effects, you know, which could have been interesting, but so be it. Um, but that is an interesting fact. And I, I, again, the second half is real slow and real hard to follow. Uh, I can't, just can't be argued otherwise. Jeff, would you recommend Silent Running from 1972? If so, why and to who? I'm just going to go with a solid no on this one. Um, and and to me, it's just out of balance, uh, mm. you know, in, in terms of like um, topic and, you know, where, where it was going. Um, but here here's the here's how i would have how here's how i would have done this film so you have um these three guys and their perspective is nature's dumb like who cares right like they they're they're like on zero right mm -hmm. like on their caring for nature and almost in opposition to that uh lowell's perspective is like a hundred right and so mm -hmm. And neither one of those is right, you know, like in, in the case in which you're spending all your time in nature, uh, you're ruining it with your presence. You go to like Yellowstone and you go and see Old Faithful and there's this big like, you know, like ring around it with like stadium seating and like a big clock to tell you when it's going to go off. It's like a Disney ride. It's not nature anymore. Like the people presence have ruined it. Uh, hmm. And uh and then you have the other side where like you know nature's completely stupid and you know it it doesn't um uh, it doesn't contribute to jobs it's a hindrance and we conquered it right yeah it's a hindrance yeah. so i i think that like the movie should have um focused more towards the balance of that um like and the the idea that you know nature needs to kind of be left to its own and it's and it's valuable to us because you know if it's just us you get rid of all of that um uh you know like evolution and change and growth and uh you know everything that's happening out in the world that's not you know covered by pavement um and i think that this this movie i don't even think it really felt like it understood what the value of nature was you, you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i don't think like it um the characters certainly don't yeah like they, they didn't get it like they don't get it mm -hmm. like they don't understand like the value of it and they they didn't articulate it they didn't articulate properly how like you know a better way to interact with nature would be um through like the storytelling so i, I, I the whole thing just like fails for me like it just in, in you know in its environmental message and in its kind of like telling like a fun story um, but I mm -hmm. think you could have gotten there. I, I feel like you could have. I feel like you could have. This idea of people being like really out of balance with their like interaction with nature and like their love of nature and like understanding of nature, you know, all of that stuff is just um, completely flawed in this story. But I 
don't think that there was like an understanding in the script writing and the directing of this to like take those that out thing that's out of balance and like put it into some sort of like more constructive perspective um, yeah i think so i think that's probably where it would go if it were remade right because yeah. that's a very contemporary reading i think probably in the 70s it was more seen that nature was the correct way and we've moved too far beyond it right a naturalist life you know we've been poisoned by technology and progress quote unquote and commercialism and because of that we no longer can live this blissful egalitarian nature life uh and i think contemporarily yeah, but like I, I think that they failed to even like provide that point of view though because like i think th the one thing that they did do was they showed that he needed the trappings of like you know humanity that that's mm -hmm. not nature related he needed you know games and companionship and um you know, like mm -hmm. easy to obtain food, like something that you don't have to right. dig out of the dirt every time you're hungry. You, you know what I mean? It, like it, also, it, a man cannot survive on cantaloupe alone. Um, yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it it showed kind of like it like it 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 failed to show like that fully like you know nature is best viewpoint either. Like, well, I don't know that it failed to show it. It did. I guess yes. It, I would say it did fail to to show it but i don't know that it showed opposite it right because he's a failure right i think it's showing sure. more that it's if we let it get to this point it's already too far and we can't ever mm -hmm. go back but again we you're right we can't know because they're lacking some storytelling element especially in that second half that would have guided what we're supposed to understand it's like an essay without a thesis right um you get to the conclusion and then you have to go okay well this is what they said at the end what makes sense for this now like how can i read the rest of this to make sense because i didn't understand what they were trying to prove um and i think yeah. that is the failure i actually would kind of now that we talk about it i would love to see a solid remake by a, an adventurous uh, like villanova uh after yeah, dune totally how about you it, take yeah. this um because you could do something really fascinating um but yeah, yeah i think i really come up with like a really nuanced view of mm -hmm. nature and, and and i think that that has to be like the focal point of the story and and i i think that it could go somewhere uh, and i do i do think this is an interesting movie to read people's opinions on on nature and human life because when i watched it i was like yeah i don't really i don't feel bad for the, the people that were killed like they were jerks and they were mean to him and then and i also disagree with them on a core level so you're like but at the same time he did murder three men in cold blood yeah. uh and in order to do this and then also <laughs> didn't really do a great job with his final mission right um so yeah interesting uh i i these were two interesting films to talk about i hope you all enjoyed listening to them and to us talk about them thank you so much please rate review subscribe rate us all the stars uh everywhere you can tell your friends about us tell your enemies about us uh we're we're equal opportunity there and please go to our website cults and classic films.com check out what we have and sign up for our forthcoming newsletter so you can hear about all the cool things we're doing you'll be able to get cool stuff in the future i promise thank you and to play us out as always is the chud with all about evil
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Cult and Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.